Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Wild Card Week. Supposed to be about anticipation, excitement, the opportunity, especially for a team like Miami that hasn't been to the playoffs for a minute. But some of that, obviously, today was dulled a little with the news that Tua Tungvaloa will not be available for this game for Miami. At this point, Skylar Thompson could be their starting quarterback. What's it mean? Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and your smart speakers. Just tell them, hey, play ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And again, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, our Wolfpack grows by one. The great Dan Orlovsky, ESPN football analyst, joining us. Uh, Dan, you just heard me say it. Tua ruled out versus the Bills. What's this mean for Miami? Yeah, tough break. It's disappointing for a season that I legitimately felt like it had Super Bowl caliber aspirations. You know, and, and I know the AFC is loaded, but the way that that offense was playing, um, it felt that they were capable of going basically head-to-head with anyone. Um, you know, for Miami going into this weekend, we even with Tua, this was going to be a big-time challenge in Buffalo. So I, I think that, like, how do they pull off the upset is where I sit with all these games, not just the Miami one. And, not only that, two and not playing, but Raheem Mustard. You know, their big play tailback is, is likely out, I believe, because the hand. So I think they got to live in the outside zone world and make Buffalo's defense run sideline to sideline. And then, you know, Skyler Thompson, I called a couple of his college games, athletic quarterback, ball pops off his hand, throws everything as hard as he can. Um, they're just going to have to get some really creative play action pass shots to try to generate some chunk offense, um, to try and at least have some success against Buffalo defense. And then I'd say defensively, like, they got to they gotta play way too much zone, play way more zone than they have because they're a man defense and Josh Lee set up. And, Dan, you played in the National Football League for a very, very long time. You understand the seriousness of concussions and the impact concussions can have on, you know, your future. And, you know, later down the line after you're done playing football – and if you're the Miami Dolphins right now, can you feel comfortable moving forward with Tua long-term, knowing this concussion history? No, and I hate saying that because I love Tua. I love the kid. I love the player. I've championed Tua since the time he got onto the field as a sophomore at Alabama. I think that there's two parts to that, Harry. One, where does Tua stand on playing again? That's a real thing nowadays for players. And those concussions that he had this year, too, that we know of, one that we feel we saw, um, those weren't like these traditional or old school, I should rather say, oh, my goodness type of hits. Those were some basic football plays or football plays going to the ground. Where does Tua stand? And then if you're Dolphins, there's no way. There's no way that you can sit there and say, yep, he's the unquestioned guy of the future. And I hate saying that. But you have to do the truth in our job, and you have to do the job of uh, the football team if you're Miami. And I think not only because of the injury history of his past, but the new injury history of his at the NFL level, I I, I can't see a way where they can justify that to their team. We're talking to Dan Orlovsky, ESPN football analyst on Fitz and Harry. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. 
Speaking of quarterbacks, obviously a lot of conversation around Lamar. But here's the thing that I, I struggle to figure out because they've had plenty of time at this point to try to figure out how to run a better offense. Dan, what can the Ravens do offensively to manufacture more points? Yeah, not much. I mean, the reality is, Jason, this offense is built around Lamar. It is not built around um, me. It is not built around anybody else. It's not built around Anthony Brown. It's, it's like... Oh, I think we lost it. Oh. We lost. And then the reality is also this: the person on the outside, a difference maker, Rashad Bateman, not there. So we're talking about an offense that is very much so dependent upon the quarterback's ability to be a designed runner, and then the wide receiver that was hand selected to be the person to take advantage of defenses committing people to stop that run. So. You know, it's it's a big time challenge for an offense that misses those two pieces. And um, you know, this is a massive, massive deal to me, the, the Lamar stuff, because this was such a big year, as we all know. And I thought this playoff, because of this defense, I thought they had a legitimate chance with a healthy Lamar to make a really big time run. And I don't listen. I love Lamar. I don't know where Baltimore stands on him. I don't know, and, and I don't think that's like a disrespectful thing to say. No, I, I don't think so either because when it comes to the Ravens, they're paying everyone else but Lamar, the guy that's the face of their franchise. But, Dan, you know Dak Prescott, he's been struggling ever since coming back playing the game of football for the Dallas Cowboys at the quarterback position. Oh, I won't say struggling. He's struggling with turnovers, protecting the football. Struggling. You look at him right now, he's tied for the first in the National Football League interception with Davis Mills. Just think about that. We're mentioning Dak Prescott in the same conversation <laughs> with Davis Mills for, for interceptions. Who's to blame for the Cowboys' disappointment? Well, right now it's Dak. You know, Harry, I've talked about this all season. You know, and you know, it was first Dex not seeing the field well, which was accurate. And then, you know, recently it's you know, Dak is um, you know, I'm, I've asked this question, why are you throwing the ball there? You're too smart of a player or, or why aren't you throwing the ball there? What are you looking at? How, what tells you how would you make that decision? I've seen you for five years be a completely player and I was thinking about this area and you know watching him play it feels like all the conversation that we've had about Dak Prescott over the years he's heard the first time he hears it and Dak kind of proved to everybody that he was better than a fourth round pick and, and worthy of the starting job and worthy of that contract because he didn't pay attention to anything he just went and played he just went and played and now it looks like when you watch Dak Prescott play, in comparison to what he was in the past, he hears the noise. He feels the pressure. Haven't, haven't won a Super Bowl in, what, 25 years and the road playoff record. And, and it, it looks like you're watching a quarterback hear all the outside noise and think about it and try to prove to everybody, I'm the guy. I'm the guy. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the person to get us back to prominence because there's no other way to describe the decisions that he's making. And, you know, he, obviously he's got to a Monday night to fix it because, you know, if they go on the road and think they're going to give the ball away. And the other thing, too, Harry, is this. Out of those 15 picks, like nine or ten of them are inside his own 40-yard line or mm. return for a touchdown. So not only is he giving the ball away, but he's totally putting his defense 
in a bad situation as well. And then I will I will ask you this to follow up to what you just said. Do you think the contribution of Dak hearing that noise and what everyone's saying on the outside, do you think it's it plays a part in, you know, Cooper Rush being there and going three and one and everybody, you know, trying to compare the two and saying that Cooper Rush was able to keep this team afloat. Do you think that plays a part in it too? Yeah, I think all the narrative does, Harry. And listen, man, you're the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. That's a hard job. He's he's a better man than I because it that is all it's 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 like being the president of the United States, man. Twenty four seven, three sixty five. You can do no right, you know. And and it's hard. You got to be. And I give credit to Dak because he is tough. He is tough, man. There's no quitting him. But yeah, I think all the conversation and all the narrative. And I definitely feel like, dude, this isn't all that, and people aren't going to like this, but it's not all that different than the Nick Foles, Carson Wentz stuff, right? There's just a reality to this. And, Harry, you know this, man. You've been in those huddles. Quarterbacks, that's my huddle. That Mm -hmm. is my team. Those are my guys. I want nobody else in there with them but me. And then when you watch somebody else do it, you're like, whoa, like what? You know, and then you try to go prove uh, you know, it's, that, it's not his, it's mine. And um, it just feels like he's playing that way. Uh, real quick, though, Dan, before we let you go, I, I'm, I'm making you Kellen Moore. I'm making you Mike McCarthy. How do you fix it? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that you got to be Dax. Um, you can't be Dax's buddy in these moments. And you can't be the, hey, we believe in you guy. You got to really get into his, like, get into those deep conversations we're not just going to do what you want right now. We're going to do what's best for this football team and what's best for this offense. I think they need to move Dak Prescott a little bit more like Marcus Spears talked about. Clear his mind. I think they need to run a little bit of tempo. I think they need to get more play action, whether Dak likes it or not. And some quarterbacks don't like that stuff. And I get not doing it a ton. But right now, dude, I need your best three weeks. I need your best. Cut all the other junk out. Be the guy that we expect you to be. I don't need you to be more. Dude, I don't need you to be more. You're trying to be more because you're trying to make it about yourself. And that's not what this is about. Dan, as always, my, my friend, we appreciate your time. Thanks for the insight. Uh, be, have a great day, brother. Be good, boys. Cowboys at Bucks Monday Night Football Wild Card Game. That's on ABC, ESPN, ESPN2, and ESPN Plus. Also, ESPN Deportes. Basically, everything with an ESPN logo on it, you can check out the game. In the meantime, who's to blame for the Cowboys' issues this season? We're going to play America's favorite new game show, The Blame Game, next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. If Lamar Jackson can play, that game is fascinating. By saying, all right, we're going to make Huntley inactive, that tells me that they're a little concerned about Lamar Jackson playing in the first week of the playoffs. Lamar is a once-in-a-generational talent. Then they need this guy. They, they can't score any points. They just can't. The highest they scored like a month is like 16 points. Lamar's working as hard as he can. The trainers are working as hard as they can. And um, can't, can't wait for him to get back, obviously, just like everybody else. America's favorite new game show, The Blame Game, is going to have to wait a minute because we have some breaking news. Our very own Jameson Hensley 
Ravens reporter for ESPN tweeted, Ravens, not so ideal quarterback situation heading into Sunday's playoff game at Bengals. Lamar Jackson missing his 16th straight practice on Wednesday. Tyler Huntley, tendonitis in his right shoulder, did not throw a pass during media viewing of Wednesday's practice. At this point, they have no idea what their quarterback position could look like for a playoff matchup against arguably the hottest team in the NFL. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, HD. I mean, I know we've been talking a lot today about Tua, and obviously there's a lot of reason to talk about Tua, but if you are the Ravens right now, a team that constantly has some level of expectation because you're able to win through anything, you're in the playoffs. You thought this year was going to be different. You thought you were going to be able to be healthy but now you can't get healthy at the most important position in all the sports. I don't know how you even compete against the Bengals without Lamar. Yeah, especially when Lamar Jackson had been out or since week 14 of the NFL season, the uh, the Baltimore Ravens are averaging 13 points per game, y'all. That is second fewest in the National Football League. And you're going against, you know, a high-powered, uh, one of the best offensive, if not the best offensive um Groups in the in the National Football League and Joe Burrow and T Higgins and Joe Mixon and Samarji P Run and um, Tyler Boyd and Jamar Chase and and company and that offensive line that's been revamped. So I don't I don't understand how they're going to score points if Lamar Jackson isn't out there on that football field. Um, Tyler uh, Tyler Tyler Huntley is also banged up with the tendonitis in his shoulder, which is nothing you can't ignore. But I'm just going to go back to the game that just happened this weekend, and that was the Baltimore Ravens versus Cincinnati Bengals, and Anthony Brown was the quarterback at the time. Anthony Brown went 19 for 44, for 286 yards, and two interceptions. Got sacked four times. His QBR was 6.1. His QB rating was 46.2. Fitz, guess what? They don't stand a damn chance. <laughs> yeah. I'm just being honest. They don't stand a chance. I mean, it was the funny thing is you gave me the numbers. And I wouldn't have been surprised if they were worse. I mean, we were watching that game, and it was just watching – it was watching incapable, right? And you said something, I think, yesterday that's really important. Like, I'm never going to sit here and say that these guys can't play football. But there was such a difference in the talent level between what the Ravens had at quarterback and what the Bengals have defensively that it just – you look at it, you shake your head. Uh, because as Orlovsky said earlier, this offense is built around the strengths of – of Lamar. No Lamar, no offense. And, you know, that raises questions of what's coming because Dominique Foxworth, ESPN NFL analyst, said this on Get Up about Lamar and Baltimore moving forward. It makes it feel a little bit more likely because what the, we've been hearing out of the Ravens about this injury is, uh, he's pretty close, uh, maybe next week. Uh, he's pretty close, maybe next week, which suggests to me that the feeling is that he could be out there, but he's choosing not to be, which speaks to how there could be some animosity or at least some resentment between the two, which I could completely understand considering the fact that he, when he first walked in there and took over that job from Joe Flacco, they were out of the playoffs talking about firing Harbaugh. He went 6-0, got them in the playoffs. The following year, he gets an MVP and is killing. Year after that, they don't get him the help that he needs and he, he keeps being the core to this team. And then he says, pay me what these guys paid him. And the Ravens say no. Like, I could understand. I think it's incredibly defensible for Lamar Jackson to be sitting there like, look at this. Look what y'all got without me. Remember what it was like before me? Feel how it feels right now. Give me my money. 
100%. You look at the last two seasons where Lamar Jackson hasn't been the quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens, they have not been a good football team. They've been in some games, but they haven't been able to score points and get the wins that they needed to push through. Last year, they didn't get the wins they needed to get into the playoffs. This year, you look at them right now, going into the playoffs, they don't look good from an offensive unit. And here's my mindset, though, Fitz. For some reason, the Baltimore Ravens seem like they want to pay everybody else but the face of their franchise, but the guy who won the MVP, but the guy who the offense is tailored around. And my, and my logic is this. If you're not going to pay them and you're going to pay everybody else, don't hold them hostage. Let them go. Let them go somewhere where somebody is going to pay him the money that he deserves for being the face of your franchise. Not only that, AC, but think about what happens here. Like, follow me through this, right? Jalen Hurts comes back, looks a little rusty. He's in a lot of pain. It's not a great game for him, not a great game for the Eagles, but they get the win. That's fine. We get benefit of the doubt. If Lamar Jackson comes out in this game, knee's not 100%, nowhere near 100%. They shoot him up. They try and get him to be able to go out and play this game. And he plays a bad football game because he is injured. What are we going to say? And and, and I, we means the fans, the organizations, everybody with the microphone is going to sit in front of that microphone and say, see, Lamar can't win in the playoffs. And they're not going to say, well, he, w- he was hurt. Like He came out there and gave his best. If he comes out and is anything less than amazing, it only feeds the negative narrative that the team is trying to to attach to Lamar Jackson. If I'm Lamar, I'm like, you've already told me that you don't think I'm worth it. You've already told me you won't give this money. And now you want me to get on the field in a way that could reduce my value to you? Hell no. Hey, Fitz, I want a lot of people to understand that for a PCL injury for a quarterback like the Lamar, who's elusive, who's you know quick in short space, who's fast, who makes a lot of dynamic plays, it's just not no any old injury. I tore my ACL in in one play. I had an ACL, MCL, meniscus, and a bone fracture. The guy that I was rehabbing with my second year in the league tore his PCL. So I got to see close up what he was going through. He got to see close up and what I was going through. So whenever it comes to knee injuries and you talk about, number one, say a big offensive lineman or defensive lineman, you don't play because that's a lot of weight on that body. Number two, someone who makes sharp cuts, who one who, you know, can cut on the dime and uh, it's elusive and quick in a short area of space. You don't play about that injury either with those type of guys because all it takes is one time and you're back to square one or even worse. It's a context matters situation for all of this, right? If Lamar goes out and he plays poorly, then it becomes a negative to Lamar. If Lamar goes out and he injures himself further, then it becomes a negative to Lamar. If Lamar goes out and does anything less than what other people think he should do in this game, all of a sudden it'll be used against him in the court of public opinion and in negotiations. Oh, no, no, no. I got it. I got it. Um, a, A raven is a form of a bird, right? Yep. Raven eat bird seeds. Let's just let's just say they do. Damn okay. it, they do today. Sure, sure, sure. I got bird seeds in my hand, and my hand happens to be Lamar's hand. Lamar, go ahead and sit down and have the Baltimore Ravens eating them bird seeds out your hand. Go go ahead and do it, my man. I wouldn't be mad at you. No. I, I'll actually I praise you. I'm gonna come on Fitz and Harry, and I'm gonna praise you for doing it because you stood your ground. Yeah, and at the end of the day, Lamar can sit back and be like, "Look, y'all can't win without me." You know you can't win without me. I know you can't win without me. I'm not going to let you devalue me in the process of trying to put me on the field too early. I'll sit back. I'll know my worth. And then when we get to the offseason, you're going to have to pay me. Because what the Ravens have shown the world right now is they have no other option other than Lamar. And what Lamar will show the world is that there are a dozen teams out there right now that will pay whatever it takes to get him. He's got all the power in this negotiation. (laughs) 
Oh, look at that. We got we, we got the Raven sounds Devin I love doing it. God's work back there. All right. By the way, by the way, yes. Ravens are uh, very, very large. Uh, really? They're very, very large. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, when I went overseas, I believe it was London. Was it London where I seen all those doggone Ravens? They were huge, too. I mean, the mascot's pretty big, like the costume and everything else. Okay, we're talking about different things. All right, we told you we had a great new game show for you. It's the Blame Game. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. First time I met Paul Feinbaum, I was in Charlotte, ESPNU, my first day ever. Oh, Paul. Marcus Spears was in the green room. He was getting changed. I got nowhere to get changed. I walk into the bathroom. I'm like, all right, I got nowhere to get changed. I'm just going to get changed here. The minute I drop my pants, <laughs> pants on the ground, Paul Feinbaum walks in the bathroom. <laughs> just looks at me and I was like, hey, Paul. <laughs> Paul Feinbaum. <laughs> I'm Fitz. And he just looked at me for a minute and he's like, hey, man. I stand by that though. Like, if you if you meet a guy and you can still be friends with him when you met him with the pants off, like I figure that that's the that's a real cementing of a legacy. It's Fitz and well, Harry no. and ESPN. Right? No. no, 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 no. Harry, no, no, no. Fitz, no, no. You're not. No, you don't stand by. It depends by on how he's seen you. Did he see you with your tidy whities on or without your tidy whities? Uh, well, no. I mean, I was wearing underwear. <laughs> like, I wasn't okay. just like out right. there. Like, that makes a big uh, difference. I mean, the flag, the, a guy the, looks the, at you from from that point on. I mean, makes the, flag, a huge the flag wasn't flying, buddy. Like, I, I, there was there was some coverage here. Like, it was just you know, it was just it was just some coverage. I'm just saying, uh, you know, I'm, now I feel really awkward. I, I, I don't even know how to get anywhere with this. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. You know what? I can't blame myself for, uh, for you know, dropping trial. I had nowhere else to change. That brings me to America's favorite new game show, The Blame Game. All right. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about a little bit of what's going on with the Cowboys, and we're going to decide who's two Blame! Are you ready for this, Harry? God, I Let's really want to be. A, I really want to be a game show host on the side. Like I know Jesse Palmer's got all the food TV stuff, and he's got like the Bachelor thing going. I want to host a bad game show, like one. Well, that, you need to stop just dropping your pants everywhere you go. Then. Oh, you know, I thought that would help me. That's how you get gigs most of the time. I don't know what we're doing anymore. <laughs> all right, so we've been talking Poor about Dak Paul Feinbaum. <laughs> My Why do you man. think they asked me to sum in on Paul's show every once in a while? All right. <laughs> uh, we've been asking about who's to blame for the turnover issues that Dak Prescott faces. This is what one Jerry Jones had to say on 105.3 The Fan about his quarterback's turnovers. It's in Dak's DNA not to turn the ball over. Uh, his famous story that I often repeat is that he said more often than not, when his mother saw him in the kitchen, she'd say, remember, no turnovers. <laughs> and so uh, he's grown up thinking like that. And, and uh, uh, so uh, I have all the confidence in the world that uh, uh, he, as a player, uh, has uh, all the right balance of, uh, of confidence or all the right balance of uh, aggressiveness as it pertains to a turnover. He understands turnover better than all of us put together. Well, if he understands them all better than all of us put together, Harry, who deserves the blame for the turnover issues? 
For me, it's Dak Prescott and the way he's not being able to see the football field. We had Dan Orlowski on um, earlier talking about it, but it's some of the things that I see on the football field as well. Uh, we talked about that simple pick six that he threw against the Washington Commanders in which you have a quick out. You have a guy running a five or six yard little space route as he's arcing out towards the defense. You have a guy that's going over the ball. You had a running back going to the flat to the left that was wide open. So the two people that were open were the running back to the flat that was literally wide open. And then you had a guy that was over the football that was wide open as well. But he started and decided to throw the quick out in which the corner broke on the football before the wide receiver actually got out of his, his break. So things like that, throwing the football in the middle of the field, throwing the football in areas where the defense is telling you not to throw it there, predetermining where you're going to go with the football. So those turnovers are on Dak Prescott. I don't disagree that he shares a lot of the blame, but I wonder if the coaches could help him if they just, you know, channeled their inner Herm Edwards, our very own ESPN NFL analyst, yesterday on this very show when asked how he would fix Dak's Dak's turnover problem. Well, I'm going to fix it by running the football. He is not going to be. He's not going to lead the band right now. He's going to be a part of the band, but he's not going to. He's not going to orchestrate it. I'm going to orchestrate it from the sideline, high call plays, and basically let him and let this team run the football, go through Zeke and go through Pollard, move the pocket for him. Don't let him just drop back and try to throw outs and curls. That's not what he does. Okay, let him become a play action quarterback. Move the pocket, get him on some boots and some waggles. But I'm aware. I'm aware them running backs. I'm just saying, if we ever start a group, uh, a band that's going to be called Boots and Waggles, we'll let America decide which one of us is Boots and which one of us is Waggles. I don't know, but I do know this. Like, the coaches, at some point, you got a guy that's lost his mojo, right? Like, needs a little confidence back. Like, he, he needs, you know, he's, he's got to get a little bit of his group back. He's Look, like, Stella needs I, I, I a group wanna, back. I want to explain to the audience and our listeners what what's the difference between a boot and a waggle. So, a boot is like a naked bootleg when the quarterback is faking to the running back one way and he's going all the way outside the pocket and making throws from outside of the pocket. A waggle is when you're making that same play fake, that same action in the backfield to the running back, but you're kind of still setting up within the pocket. You get what I'm saying? So that's the difference between a boot and a waggle. So do you want to be outside the pocket, Fitz, or do you want to be inside the pocket? Which I, one do you want to be? Well, I want to be outside the pocket. Like, Okay, I, you so know, you, you're a boot guy. I'm a boot guy. That makes you waggles? I'm going to be a waggle guy. Waggle Douglas? I like yeah. that. Like That actually kind of works for me. Also, just a real question. on the, on, on the Say this word for me. It's spelled N-A-K-E-D. How are we saying this? Naked. No, because you just said naked. You're just like, like naked bootleg. It sounds cooler when you Bro, say I'm it. From, I'm from Georgia. I'm from well, the dirty south, man. No, well, you know, I'm just... I you just, know how I, we... Listen, we already explained how we pronounce our co-host on Countdown to College Game Day name, Christine. Her name is Christine. We call her Christine. Yeah, well, it's a naked bootleg. I, like, yeah. so, I mean, and uh, is there a naked waggle? Naked. No, no, no. No, it's just called Waggle. Waggle is a protection also. It's just called Waggle. Hey, look, there's so many things I don't want to get fired over. All right, that's a little poor, bit of poor, the, the, Poor Paul Feinbaum, I swear. That poor guy. Are you kidding? Had to there, see you with your tidy whities your little V-cut like, underwear. Look, there are plenty of people out there that would be gloriously happy to see me in my boxer briefs. The Thank lie you much. detection test determined that <laughs> was a lie. <laughs> wow, that is well played by Devin, and I will leave my comeback to that till after we're done. Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive's commercial insurance can protect your small business with over 30 coverage options and easy-to-use mobile app, personalized discounts, and more. Get a quote in as little as six minutes of Progressive Commercial com discounts and coverage selections not available in all states or situations 
Tua won't play for the Dolphins this weekend. The question is not just what's that mean for this weekend, but what's that mean for next season? We'll talk about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Three hours later. We started the show where we end the show with the biggest story today coming in the form of Tua Tungvaloa being ruled out for Sunday's playoff game for the Miami Dolphins. And now the Dolphins having to make hard decisions, not about their playoffs, but about what to do moving forward. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and of course your smart speakers, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, and uh, all the conversation today has been about this. This is Mike McDaniel, Dolphins head coach, at his press conference earlier today. As of uh, today, um, Tua has not been cleared by doctors to resume football activities on the field with his teammates. So... Um, because of that and because of the time that it, um, he's missed, I can rule him out for Sunday. And Harry, this isn't just about Sunday. This is now about the entire offseason because that conversation starts today of what the Dolphins need to do with Tua. And I think it's just unfortunate um, that this happened to a young man who I think is uh, amazing off the field, amazing on the football field. And you can't help but look at the 13 games he played this year, though, Fitz, completing 64.8% of his passes and threw for over 3,500 yards, 25 touchdowns, which is just eight interceptions. He had a phenomenal year. Um, but one of the things that did happen to Tua was, you know, a concussion early on this season where a lot of people didn't determine it was a concussion, but I played the game for 10 years. I know what a damn concussion looks like, and I thought he had one. And you look on Thursday night football when he's going against the Cincinnati Bengals and he has another one. And then you get the other one when your head slammed to the turf, but you didn't have the symptoms until after the football game. That's three in one year in my eyes. And you can't help but think about Tua Tagovailoa, the human being, the father, the, uh, the husband, the brother, the son. And I think that's more important when you look at, you know, the Dolphins organization and Mike McDaniel and Chris Greer, the general manager, and all those guys, you got you gotta you gotta want to the best for Tua as a human being. Now the the messed up side of the football aspect of business is that you know if you're the Miami Dolphins and rightfully so, you have every right to do so. You have to judge Tua moving forward and if he's going to be your quarterback. And we had Dan Orlowski on earlier, and he spoke about you know if it, if if it was him, no, he, he, he Tua wouldn't be the you know the future of the Miami Dolphins because of the concussions. Uh, because you can go into next season and let's just say hypothetically you're having a great year to it doesn't have an issue uh, up until like week 10 or or to a playoff time comes. And then next thing you know, he, he gets one. Now, not, not only are you worried about, you know, your team not being able to play in a meaningful football game, but also you're worried about now Tua the man. And I don't know how if you're the Miami Dolphins, if you can live with putting him back on the football field under your ham, under, under, under your decision making and saying that you can live with that if something else happens to Tua when it comes to his head and his brain. I, think I just what, don't see it. What's really hard here, Harry, is like there are certain decisions that just have to be made, right? That's right. And so you want to protect Tua from himself. 
You want to protect the organization from being in a bad situation. You also don't want to take away somebody's opportunity to play football if they want to and they're capable of it. So, like, this is all really difficult because there's a portion of this where, like, Tua might look around and say, you know what, I'm fine. This doesn't worry me. I want to keep playing. And if the people in his life want that for him and he wants that for himself and the Dolphins want him out there, I can see where that's tempting. But you got to protect yourself at the same time. And now you're an organization that doesn't have a first-round draft pick and you've got this stacked roster that's really in a situation where they feel like they can win right now. But you, you don't have a quarterback to win right now with. So at the very least, you're going to have to bring in a quarterback. But that gets complicated because now you're bringing in a quarterback because you're afraid that Tua might go through something. And how's that going to work for the quarterback you bring in versus like these are the football difficulties that nobody cares about in the grand scheme of things when it's compared to your health and your mentals and all the, the other stuff that matters more. But it's still what the Dolphins organization will have to get answers to because it, without those answers specifically to what they're doing at the quarterback position, they're just going to sit there and and be sort of in the, the the space between for the next five five years. You can't do that. You have to have an answer at that position. And Fitz, when you look at it from Tua's perspective too, um, this is where you know amazing friends come into play. Mm. Um, having a good family faith background comes into play because people that love you is going to tell you the real and not tell you what you want to hear. And necessarily, you may say, "Hey, I want to play," but your loved ones may tell you, "No, we're not going that route." I care about you as a human being. I care about you as a man first. You got a, you got a, you got a baby boy. You know, you got a wife to take care of. You, there's a lot of things, a lot of aspects to it that, you know, I just don't want to look at it from the lens of football. Like, right. Because football is just a game, man. We just, it's a game that we play, but it's not who we are as, as men. It's just something that we happen to do. And that was always my mindset. That's why I never let anyone call me a football player. I'm a man that played the game of football. Because there's so many attributes, and I'm pretty sure there's so many other things to Tua's life that he wants to accomplish outside of football. Uh, but it's something that he has to look at with the people that he loved the most in his family and try to make this decision moving forward. But what do you do? Because like we've seen this with Matt Stafford, where his wife, very vocal about concussions and neck issues and all of this stuff on her podcast, and Stafford tells everybody he's coming back to play. And shout out to Matt. I've just seen him um, this weekend. Yeah, we said he was at the uh, at the college football playoff. Yeah, I saw him there. Yeah. Um, but then, then you look at Tom Brady, who uh, Giselle was very vocal about the fact that she didn't want him to continue playing, and we know how that has ended up in his life at this point. So, you know, I, I just there's also a part of me that's like, if Tua wants the opportunity to to keep playing and the doctors clear him I don't know how the Dolphins respect that like it feels like you'd want to respect it's e- it it's easy for me it's easy for me you care about him as a human being you care about him as a man so if you were the it's, GM it's of the, if you were the GM of the Dolphins and yeah. the doctor said he's good to go and he said I want to play you'd say no 100% not this season I'll say no I'll say no right right now I'll yeah, say right no. now I think today right now but I'll as we're no. going into next year if the doctors clear him and he says he wants to play I hate the thought of being the person that takes that away from him. You well, know, that, that's still that's still far away. Like yeah, I, I, I want to focus more so on the now, like right now. Sure, like right now. No. Well, and and certainly, you know, for this weekend, uh, you know, for the playoffs, Skylar Thompson looks like they're planning on him right now being the starter. Uh, we don't know Teddy Bridgewater's uh, health issue. Right, we don't know where his health is right now. Certainly, for right now, there's no question about it. I mean, it is absolute. Tua is not going to be available. But it is a question moving forward, though. It yeah, it is a question. And that's the hardest part is that yep. you, you know this as well as everybody. The front office, the head coach, the team president, they all have to have almost like two different lists. Two of the man on one side, the Dolphins organization on the other side. And you got to respect the two of the man above everything else. But you also will have to address the Dolphins organization at some point. But you also don't want to be an organization that's – that's looked upon as being inhumane. You know what I'm saying? You right. don't you don't want to be that organization either. 
if something does happen to him. Yeah, 100%. Like, that's the the negative. Like, it still haunts me seeing what happened with his hands on the hit we all remember, right? Like, every yep. time he takes a hit now, the Dolphins organization takes a hit because people are going to look at, look at it and say, how did you manage to put him back out there? So, you know, and the fact that the symptoms for the most recent concussion didn't show up until a full day later, I think has to be an important part of this conversation, too, because in this situation, if you're the Dolphins right now, today, you're constantly worried that is he going to be okay the day after a game? And I think that's fair for him. That's that's fair for them. There's no easy answer, Harry. Like, that, that's the hardest part about all this. Like, there are so many red flags. It, it would be much easier if Tua came out today and said, I don't want to play. That would actually make their life a lot easier. It's the other side of it that I think becomes more difficult for me to figure out. Bro, it has to be tough for his family, too. And you look at his brother, Talio Tagovailoa, who was a quarterback of Maryland yeah. um, in college. It, all this has to be so tough for their family. And they're such amazing people, too. So, uh, But it's one of those things, man. You, you know, some of the – some of the worst things happens happens to the greatest people, but you know the good man upstairs will never fail you. Yeah, well, and if there's anybody that's been around Tua will tell you that much like you, he is not ever going to be defined simply by the football that he plays. He is far bigger than that as a human being. Uh, we'll keep breaking it down. Every day seems to give us the newest and latest in these breakdowns. We will get you all the information it comes to as it comes to us. A very special Kenny and Carlin coming up next. You don't want to miss it on ESPN Radio. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz right now. Listening to the Fitz and Harry podcast. You can listen to the guys live weekdays from noon to three Eastern on ESPN Radio, and you can watch on the ESPN app.